and welcome to another Scotsway podcast. And today I'm talking to Lorenzo Pasiti from LP Records. LP, that's the shop, the label, and soon to be LP Radio. Hello, Lorenzo. Hello. Um, so I thought what we could do is talk about the history of everything under the LP Records um, uh, title and how you kind of got to this stage. So give us a wee kind of background to that. I like, I like to call it the LP brand purely because I feel like I'm using my marketing degree that I, that I don't use at all. Uh, I, 2015, uh, I was working in the Hilton and I was studying marketing right. as a concierge at the Hilton. Uh, I did that like four or five days a week. Didn't spend any money elsewhere. Uh, went to uni, hated it. Skipped lectures, came home, went to work instead of going to lectures. Uh, and then uh, one day uh, I won a bit of money on the darts which is the, right. the sentence that always throws people, I think. So I when took you that. The darts, the, the darts. Arras, yeah, aye, aye. <laughs> and uh, took that, went on holiday to America, a wee solo trip to go to Seattle, Austin, places like that. Music, music obsessive kind of places. Mm-hmm. Uh, just on a whim. Uh, emailed places like KEXP and different radio stations, and I thought I'm going to use this marketing degree and try and get my foot in the door somewhere, do all this this summer. Went, worked at KEXP for about a week and a half, loved it, kind of cut out of all the music venues, all the music stuff, was determined I was going to come home and do something. Came home, two days later, this record shop was up for sale, and it just seemed like total fate. It was a complete dump, nobody wanted to touch it, I'd spoken to a few other people that were the same, they were like record store guys, or they ran record fairs, and they were like, don't want to touch it, too much work, too much hassle. But I was ready to abandon uni, I was working at the Hilton part-time, I had this spare bit of cash. I could have got it outright and then get a wee bit of my help, help off my dad to get the initial stock. And I was like, this is a doable mental thing I could do. Okay, before we move on from there, I, there's, a, there's a lot. Oh, there's a lot to <laughs> take in there. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. So, one, you, you, you were doing a marketing degree yep. at university here? Yep, Strathclyde. Strathclyde, okay. And when you were doing that, was that with an idea that it was always going to be music you were involved in or was it a kind of general marketing? That was with an idea of I have to go to uni and I have to pick something. I did the same thing. I went into food tech from school because I was like, oh, I have to do something. Yep. And then I ended up like you, not really enjoying it, but loving the work and ended up you know working in, in restaurants and all that kind of thing. So you were working in the Hilton and that was probably much more fun. Uh, it depends on the day. I was a concierge, so it could it could go. Oh really? Yeah, so it could really? go. It could go amazing. It could be a great laugh, or it could be so bad. It, yeah. it could depends who you're dealing with. I'd had Nicki Minaj in once. Uh, she was a nightmare, <laughs> <laughs> and her staff were a nightmare. Uh, yeah, it just it would depend on the day, which is the fun part of it. Yeah. And it made you, it was the first time I'd ever kind of gone from. Uh, it was my first line of work where I was dealing with kind of weird people every day. Right. You know, you get used to different characters all yes. more. Yes. There's a lot of people skills involved. In yeah, that. in and out. You maybe see people for thirty seconds. You might see them every week. You know, so you kind of you pick up on people's instincts and that kind of thing. So you you won this money with a darts competition or was no it? no betting on the darts. Oh yeah, yeah. right. Well, I always enjoy. I've always that's uh, a market. Surely that's a marketing skill. That's <laughs> that's that's the thing. When I've had things because I'm young and have a business, but I've had people come in wanting to know like as a young entrepreneur and it's like. Uh, just keep winning money at the bookies to keep your business alive. Uh, that MM, UFC, Ben, international football. I used to kind of play a bit with that wee bit. Never anything big. So mm-hmm. just total big shots in the dark. Uh, and then just, I was really obsessive with those sports. I love darts. I don't know why I got right. obsessed with darts. Uh, yeah, and I just kind of it blew it out of nowhere. 
and uh, that was kind of the story of my first three years in the shop to be honest would be like if we're ever coming coming to a hard financial time where it's a quiet bit in the shop the something would happen something would <laughs> something would pop up and I ran out of that luckily but something used to pop up all the time and it would kind of keep me going uh, so you decided to go to the States with um, your, your, your winnings um, and you said Seattle Austin Texas both kind of real music and arts places yeah. I, know, I think Austin's uh, a, they have the slogan "Keep Austin Weird." Yeah, uh, and uh, I know Daniel Johnson, Rory Erickson, and, it's, and I know actually from my kind of Scott Lick background, Kelman, Jim's Kelman's used to go and teach in Austin, Texas. Okay, so it's like cool. a real um, strong culture, and we know, of course, the story of Seattle. Um, so was that where you wanted to go? Was that the reason? Yeah, it was totally teenage romance thing about those places. Uh, Austin had everything I'm kind of obsessed with in one. With the and Seattle was the obvious ones, all the obvious Seattle yeah, stuff. Sure. Foo Fighters was my favourite band when I was like fourteen onwards, uh, and then Austin was just as you say like that weird. So many kind of I've got a weird obsession with country music out of the blue. Uh, I wanted to just go see Willie Nelson statue. I wanted to see Austin City Limits. I wanted to see uh, the Stevie Ray Vaughan statue and all that, all that kind of stuff. And it's just a very weirdly every corner seems to be something. New, that's like some new culture thing has popped up. It's very, everyone's very closed in, yeah, for a big, big town. Everyone just yeah. seems very kind of round the corner, everything's in touch. It's an interest, I mean, I've never been, but I have also had an interest in it partly because of the Kelman connection. But in Texas, you know, the Bush family are from Texas, it's you know, um, it's a very right wing state on the whole, yeah. But then you've got this real liberal arts yeah. enclave. It's a which seems very strange, in an amazing way, it's such yeah. a strange place. And even just like, I stayed in this hostel, and you would kind of just hang about with the guys that were passing through. Everyone was always kind of passing through. And there was this English guy, we went for a drink uh, down this very gentrified area of town. It was all these beautiful old white picket fence suburban houses that had been like ripped out, and there was right. all bars built inside them. So in the face of it, you're going, it's like, oh, it's really cool, we get to sit in these suburban homes, and, and it's kind of like... It feels very against what you thought the cool Austin thing was going to be. And we're sitting there, we're talking to all these locals, these lovely kind of southern older people, and they're all super nice, super friendly. And they go away and he turns to me, he's like, isn't it weird that all these people are like probably really right-wing and Christian, and, but they're just like super nice to, to your face, very to everyone. Polite, yeah. yeah, and it's just that kind of just weird. And you can never tell, which was just, it was nice just to interact with people and you, they could be totally... Like, against everything you stand for or the other way around and if they knew what you were like or if you knew what they were like but everything on every corner of Austin was like something weird was there yeah something a wee bit mental but really interesting never that intimidating or anything like that yeah but that kind of Tennessee Williams things they're probably yeah. guns under their bed yeah yeah all which was just fascinating to me and I was obsessed with it and that <laughs> combined with the music culture where it's like yeah every, again the, the whole country thing is so like on the face of it so even like the poppy country stuff now is so mm. like uh, quaint and nice and but like any music industry it's, it's that successful and that big there's this dark undercurrent yeah. that you get to dig into it's really interesting to even if you look at um, Austin's uh, Wikipedia page and it's got that thing that you know um, well known locals or whatever it's a real mixture of just what you're saying yeah. you know you've got like Kinky Friedman and then you've got the Bush and you know all this you know, weird weird mix of, uh, of things Um so, and you worked at uh, KEXP, which is um, a working out record station, uh, which is, would you describe it as? Well, their thing was they were always like a, a community radio station that made it huge, yeah. kind of. Uh, and they just like, they were my alternative radio station when I, that I would tune into. I got a wee bit, I would, six music here, like I think everyone mm-hmm. dabbles in. 
But KXP would always be maybe because my taste leaned more to American indie. Yeah. Uh, KXP had those live sessions that were always really people made a, a real point of going to them when they were on tour so you'd get big bands and they would make a real effort you could yeah. see it wasn't phoned in so I really drew me in and it was one of those YouTube things where you could like click a KXP session and just continue from there and find your next favourite band so it was as soon as I knew I was going there I emailed ahead and I was like please can I just come hang about yeah. it's like I don't want anything else I just want to come hang about and they were just super Americans are, are obsessed with Americans who are into music are yeah. obsessed with Glasgow yeah every yeah, American I've ever yeah. spoken to like oh my god you're from Glasgow and it's these bands they rhyme off so they were buzzing to have somebody from Glasgow in the building and I was hanging about and we were doing phone calls for it was like our fundraising week and they were just buzzing to have somebody from Glasgow pissing about on the line taking <laughs> phone calls and I just wanted to kind of be there when things were happening I got yeah. I saw like Surfer Blood in Session who put out one of my favourite albums of the 2000s uh, 2010 sorry so I got to see them I was through the wee window watching them in session it was all very very surreal and it was in their tiny wee old studios now right. they're in this huge beautiful building oh, in the okay. middle of they cover into George Square they built themselves a giant fucking building so it's like the KEXP building and the city seems to have jumped very on board with how important that alternative community aspect of it has all yeah. been they've got a performance space stuff like that so it's a dead inspiring place so was that kind of inspirational as to what you thought you might be able to do when you came home yeah, I guess. Because I guess there's a, there's a community feel to it, absolutely. Yeah. But it's bigger than that. It reaches out beyond that. Yeah. Know? It's just, it gave me a, a more kind of an obvious view of, you can say you like alternative music, but it's not. It's nowhere near as niche as you maybe think it is. Mm-hmm. You know, liking alternative music is still an insanely popular. Of course. You know, yeah, it's the not idea like of independent and yeah, an explosion of that. Just because yeah. you're you don't like bands that are in the top five in the charts, you're not you're not like you're not on a, some sort of undercurrent, you know, it's, so when you could see stuff that you always thought was made you a wee bit, even at school, you know, everyone who likes super into music at school, and you don't have that many pals who like the same stuff as you, and you mm-hmm. think you're a wee bit different, a wee bit weird, and then you see that there's a whole community out there, worldwide, that's huge, and you can actually make money, you can maybe make a living doing it, it's just that it kind of was all grounded in that one yeah. place for me. I think when you, when you, you travel, um, that's exactly what it does, because when you're in a city that makes music, some of which is done well, some of which you think is still underground, and yeah. then you go um, abroad, and America's a great example, you know, I remember going into record stores in LA and stuff, and they had, you know, a, a huge kind of BMX bandit section or something yeah. like that, and I remember particularly going to Thailand and going into a record store in, in Bangkok, and the Greenock band Whiteout were in the top <laughs> ten, and I'm like, well, that's just insane, but... This stuff does travel, and there are people that think, yeah. well, it, it's from a bit like we might go, well, it's a, it's a New York band, I'm going to check them out. They go, it's a Glasgow band, and I'm going to yeah. check them out. Yeah, and Glasgow's so, Glasgow's so small, and so much happens here that you do, it all just gets caught up in one in your head, so you're yeah. convinced it just happens here. It's yes, a wee bubble right. here. But then, yeah, as you say, everywhere seems to know Glasgow and Glasgow music. And then when, when that got fed back into me, I was like, well, why can't we take all the wee stuff? So, me and my pals love this record label in Boston called Exploding in Sound mm-hmm. and to us they were always like for the past few years since I met these guys like the year before I opened the shop it was always like this is the label we all like we love every band they put right. out every band and then you've kind of realised they're not that big they're actually really small they're a wee DIY label yeah. but to us over here it's like imagine if we heard a van from Exploding in Sound came on tour here and a couple of them have been here and they've played the hug and it's not be- they've been like really passionate fans there but it's been small tiny yeah, gigs sure. and you, but you see it spill over and it's that uh, you kind of get a taste of what it must be like for people talking about Glasgow bands or 
hearing that we that we thing you love from a completely different part of the world and realizing it is a lot more loved than yeah. just you just you and your pals and stuff like that you know absolutely so you you, came, you had all this amazing experience and then you came back and I should say we're in uh, West End of Glasgow now you saw this shop front on the name of the street is Park Road Park Road uh, and you went I can I have the vision of this is going to be my yeah it was store. weird I'm not a I'm not a, a designery guy I'm not a I'm not even not that entrepreneurial or anything like that. I just it was it seemed like we walked in and the place was so hard to walk through anything. It was all DVDs and VHSs and bargain bin stuff. And the counter used to come up to about halfway the shop is, so the whole back was a back shop. Right. Uh, so it felt tiny, and I walked in with my dad because I just was like, I need to bring an adult with me, you know, to to give me actual advice on this. And he was like, that yeah, shop. You can go and go. I bought a shop. <laughs> he's like, he's like, that shop's tiny, and I was like, is it? But like, is is yeah. it that small? Isn't it just full of shit? And I was like, all I want is like new curated stuff I want it to be tight I want it to be small uh, I want it to be like a destination shop instead of like half people that walk in here will leave thinking this shop's kind of shite or not great which is totally fine with me because yeah. people some people want to dig for hours which is totally fine and that was what I always knew I wanted this like space yeah. and then it could grow from there because I don't want to sell records forever I'm already bored of selling records yeah. so I was like I just wanted this space and we can ground whatever is going to come in that space I mean, that's what I should say for anyone that hasn't been in the shop. It is a curated space. It is, um, these are what we've selected because we love them and we think you might as well. Yep. Which is a bit like um, what a lot of radio shows do, I guess. They say, you know, to, to, here's the new song from such and such and, you know, we're going to play this for you because we think you're going to like yeah. it. I mean, we're already in a, a market here in Glasgow that's full of record shops yeah. and full of successful record shops and we, we had to stand out in some way and we didn't. I didn't have any... I didn't have the funding to go, we're going to stand out by stocking thousands of records. No. and So it was like, find what you're good at and just uh, see what you can do with it. It was more just, there was no expectations. It was like, see what we can make out of this. But I think it's really interesting because more and more shops, whether they're bookstores or um, a galleries, uh, you know, things like that, are they're more carefully creating one because you can buy stuff online. Yeah. So you know, folk would come in. It's gone up the kind of days of um, the high fidelity music shop, where folk goes in and said, "Have oh, you got the greatest hits of Stevie Wonder?" Yeah. It's you, folk will go and do that. What you have to give is something. Well, a few things, but one get something that you can't find easily elsewhere. But also, the, the your knowledge of them, you can impart that to someone who comes in. He goes, "You yeah. know what? I, I bought a, a record in here um, last month. Really liked it. What else would you recommend?" Yeah, we want the space to feel like not very intimidating. Some people have spoken to me about feeling intimidated in some record shops because, again, if you don't oh, yeah. if you don't like that huge glut of records and digging, and you don't like the kind of quiet judging some people feel in some record shops or whatever, uh, I just wanted the space to be open. I want it to be c- kind of colourful and. Just uh, very much, you're not back to back with AMD at any point. You know, you're not like digging for space. You just get a chance to look through the records in your own time. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I was not, I'm not a vinyl nerd. Yeah. I'm a music nerd. Uh, vinyl for me is just the, the best way for physical media phys- to kind of enjoy it and collect it and yeah. listen to it. So it was always vinyl that way. But I'm not going to, you know, guys come in here and they're total anoraks and they come and talk to me for 40 minutes about this grooves in a record. And I'm like, it's not along. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sounds good about that. It's yeah. Like, uh, yeah, they'll see the, the name of it and go, well, I found my shop, I found the people to talk to. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when, what year did you open up? 2015. Yeah, so it was kind of the vinyl um, resurgence, for want of a better term, was kind of underway by that point, wasn't it? Was oh, yeah, there? it was definitely underway. But I think, I feel like, in my opinion, I think the bubble is bursting, if not burst, 
and that's that purely from the pricing standpoint. Yes, from the I'm from the because we are seeing it now where the bigger bigger labels are doing what they did in the nineties, and it's like vinyl is now the the main physical format again. Let's just keep hiking the price, hiking the price until it bursts, until we hit the point yeah. of no return. And they're doing it, and I'm getting. And the main way you see it is the pop stuff. And I know the pop stuff's not what we sell most of on vinyl, but it's like if I'm getting the new Rihanna, or like Universal's the main one. Right. I have a real beam I've wanted about Universal. It's like Ariana Grande record comes. I really like that record, yeah. and I love Ariana Grande, but it is like the pop chart record. And it's going to cost me to buy it more than £20. Right. So what yeah. am I going to sell that to you know, a 16 year old for? You know? yeah. How are they going to justify spending that one record? You know, and if you go and you you indulge in a crossly record player or one of the cheap record players, and that's a natural thing that would happen when the demand hit back up, we'd yep. see cheap suitcase record players again. But they sound shit and they yes. break your records. So if you spend thirty-five pound on a record, you take it home, put it on your cute little crossly for your Instagram, and you listen to it, you go, "This sounds shit. I'm yeah. never. I'm not buying a vinyl again. I just yeah. listen on Spotify." Yeah, it's absolutely. Better. It's so short-sighted. I mean. Um, you know, you go into any name record store and they're charging, you know, 30 quid for vinyl that it's either brand new mm-hmm. or it's stuff that people probably who want it have got on other formats, any Beatles, any classic rock yeah. stuff. And you think, well, this is just ridiculous. Yeah. But where I think it is still growing is with the, the smaller indie companies who are selling the new albums for, say, 10, 15 pounds, you know, um, but yeah, as you say, it was ever that way. I remember CDs in the nineties that just suddenly you were—if it was a band that wasn't well known—you were paying twenty-two quid for a CD. Yeah, and the it's the the more we the more uh, the main market, like as you say, like DIY indie labels. You know, you can still if the band does well in your own city, you know, you can still make your money out of yeah. it. You can still sell it cheap. But the more it affects the whole market, the more it trickles down yeah. and hurts the weird guys because the reissue backlog and, and pressing plants is insane yeah. the record store their backlog is insane and the more they're backlogged the higher the prices get because the demand's there yeah. so if it's going to cost more and more to press records even the wee guys aren't going to be able to turn any kind of profit when they sell them and that just hurts everyone and it means we can't if you're a record label it's hard to pay it's hard to have fair splits with your bands because then neither of you will see money forever yeah. you know yeah, sure. uh, so it all trickles down so the more I see the big like if I see Sainsbury's and that selling vinyl it's kind of great because it's like yeah hey, more people might get into vinyl but then you have an expectation of what they're going to pay mm-hmm. and that'll they'll sink their wallet so yeah. fast you know it's, it's just not worth being a collector right now unless you're you're really choosy about what you're, what you're buying I just can't imagine people restocking what they already have on CD or whatever it would just cost so much money yeah some point. people try it but just, it's usually that's the, that's the market it's retirement age or a wee bit younger guys yeah. who are filling in all the gaps that they threw away before. That's the current market. That's where your money is. But then that will dry up because of they'll course. get older. Yeah. You know, and then it's... And then that's it. like, well, I couldn't afford vinyl when I was, you know, started listening to yeah. music. So if you hear it. a story from MD in 20 years, somebody's my age now or a wee bit younger and then 20, 30 years they're going into shops and talking about their old vinyl collection, they probably had a ton of money when they were in their 20s. Because yeah. <laughs> there's no way you're having a, thousands of records right now unless you've got a ton of cash. So that's interesting you think that that is going to, again, greed has probably spoiled it, you know. Yeah. Um, was that... Because you had the shop, the shop was up and running, as we said, 
carefully curated and then you decide you're going to put out records yourself. Yeah. So how did you get to that stage? Uh, two of my pals' bands are amazing yeah. and I love them. And it was like, it was, why don't we just do it? Because yeah. we have the framework as a shop. So we have like a, we a name recognition, we have whatever. Uh, I would love to, I've always wanted to run a record label or whatever. So I was like, why don't we just fucking do it? So uh, we did it. And then Wesley came along, so I met Wesley in the yeah. shop. So Wesley added to that. And it was just like, so it was three groups of people who I love and whose music I love. And we could help them out. Uh, so it's kind of been that. Nothing's been that. To be honest, with the label side, again, it, f- it feels a wee bit to me just with the kind of the cost of manufacturing and how easy it is to make them money. It feels like the record shop to me. It doesn't feel removed enough for me right. to be super into it because I mean, the money's the same. It's like I'm, I'm taking from the shop to give to the label when the late money coming back is not great. Right, okay. You know, it needs to be an indulgence. But it's a familiar um, uh, story because uh, folk I know who actually didn't have record shops, but they had um, blogs yep. uh, like um, Lloyd at Olive Grove and uh, Song Bator to Edinburgh, Matthew. Uh, and um, and even the guys from last night from Glasgow, they went, well, there's music here that we love and nobody's putting it out, so we'll put it out, and yeah. that's what we'll do. Yeah. And that kind of a passion to say, well, other people, like you said at the beginning, you're creating your, curating your, um, I'm creating your record label to get this amazing music out there. Yeah. And I think what... Um, all of you, the ones I've just mentioned, have done is you haven't tried to say let's get loads of bands on the label. It's like no, no, we have to have some kind of connection, some kind of close love of um, the the music that we're going to put out. I mean, for you, it was American Clay, Codist, and uh, Wesley's Albatross, yeah. which uh, was my favourite record the last year. Oh, great! Absolutely loved it. So um, it's. It's fantastic that you've been able to um, get your kind of musical obsession for one of a word and and feel that you're you know sharing it. And is that behind the idea of then going to the the next level by starting a radio yeah. station? Yeah, again, I mean that just sounds mad when I say it. I'm going to start a radio station, but I suppose. Yeah, I'm just really, I'm very much a an all in kind of yeah. person, um, which is why I bought this shop. There's no business sense in buying this shop. There was none. <laughs> uh, but everything I I feel like if I dive in, I have to dive in with two feet. Yeah. And everything I do is by myself. Uh, so I, again, I do feel like if I'm not fully into it, I'm just gonna it will start fading away. We've done yeah. we've done we've had wee projects before that have been kind of like working with other people, or it's been kind of uh, me involved. So it's always been like they seem to fade mm-hmm. away. So in terms of your interest, or in terms no, just of in terms of the the project, because like people aren't. I feel like. If I wanted people to be involved in this as heavily as I am, so if it was like a, I understand. I would need them to be in here, yeah, working with me every day. Otherwise, I like to go. I like to do my own thing, uh, and then I love to collaborate. But if it's not, if you've not all got the same return and the same goal and the same, you know, then it's it's never going to be bang on for me, yeah. and it's never going to move as fast as it needs to move. Like this should have been done a year ago, right? But I was playing about with the idea of we were doing these we had this project planned and this collaboration planned with other people and it's never worked out and it really took over my whole summer and delayed my whole summer. Right. Uh, and a lot of different things happened this summer that just so completely that blew me. So that kind of off the idea of, of, of collaboration in that way? Yeah, I mean, no, nobody apart from my closest friends knew about LP Radio until I put the Kickstarter up because I just had this fear of letting myself get drawn into another fruitless collaboration or 
that getting taken away from me somehow and I was like I just yeah. need to like sit on this it's going to it's going to sound great it's going to work just going to sit and do it and I, said, I thought the Kickstarter is a good way to do it one because it means I can actually launch it with money behind it you know I can actually buy stuff that I need uh, and then two because it actually shows some interest it's like if we hit that goal there's enough interest locally that I can be like right we have a foot to stand on here right so yeah it was just all about kicking it off and was it in terms of the label I mean are you looking to still release stuff yeah definitely definitely yeah definitely uh, Chorus album's finished right it was finished in Easter <laughs> it's recorded in Easter looking to get it mixed there's a lot of disagreements between the band and just about like who's going to mix it and right, how okay. much we're spending on it but we've tried I have tried and failed as LP Records for many things and Chorus and Clay have tried for funding Creative Scotland for anything yeah. and, we've n- and Wesley's tried and we've never we even put in applications once of like we asked for 150 quid just almost to be like just to 20 keys 150 quid yeah, yeah, yeah. and we get not back and it's like fuck this and so yeah. we're now just kind of sitting on it until we can I don't want them to like because I've been in flux over the summer and now the radio thing I was like I'm not going to rush them to go I'm not going to like fucking get it mixed pay for it get it mixed because we, we chipped in the recording and it was like it sounded great we did it at Chem 19 wanted to kind of go all out on that and then in the mixing it was like I don't want to rush them into paying for something that I don't have my full weight behind yeah. and my full financial weight or whatever weight that I could give it uh, so I was like don't rush us out also I don't like putting stuff out end of the year it's just if yeah. I was a label I wouldn't like putting stuff at end of the year so no, I was like let's not rush this out let's, let's take our time when it happens it happens the yeah. album's great we still play a bunch of live shows and they're playing the new songs so you can go if you go see a Coda's live show you'll hear the album a year before anyone else will uh, so that's just where we're at right now is getting things making sure it's perfect when it's, when it's out so the, the the radio station is going to be it's basically expanding the LP brand as you said at the beginning you've got the <laughs> shop you've got the label and next thing is um, the radio station and you're going to it's going to be recorded it's recorded the right way no it's going to be broadcast, broadcast from, yeah. uh, from your shop a lot of it yeah uh, a lot of it from the upstairs in the shop yeah we custom built studio coming uh, which has been really weird and cool to design and put that together kind of makes it all sound real uh, and then there'll be a few pre-recorded things from the states there'll right. be pre-recorded stuff from people that can't get into the shop or there's no need for them to get into the shop maybe yep. they've got their own equipment stuff like that uh, but yeah the if people can and the main shows will all be recorded in LP a lot of them during the day a lot of them open to the public yeah uh, hopefully a lot of them is kind of events with artists that we can maybe use the space downstairs for mm-hmm. as well uh, yeah again kind just, of live sessions that kind yeah, of idea just make, yeah. making the this the wee hub the wee base uh, like again like the KEXP one showed me it was like just if you have a space where people can cut about yes but they're interested in the same thing and there's you know, record. If, if we had a, if we we didn't have such a dodgy shop as in stairs and health yeah. and safety wise, and we could put coffee and I don't know beer and cake or something like yeah, that, sure. I'd love that. But just as a, as a space, we wouldn't cut about, and everyone's like, everyone there is into music. You know, you're not like like the same way people set up at bookshops. You yeah. know, no, absolutely. I think like, it's a great idea, and in fact, uh, I mean, talk about that again. But you know, it's thinking carefully about how you're going to use the space. I mean, what a lot of people would have done if you'd said, oh, I'm going to then expand to a um, radio station is, well, let's find a bigger premises. But you said, no, I want to, this is my place. This is my home, if you like, and yeah. I want to do it here. Well, I mean, the beginning, all the stuff that happened this summer, I was so ready just to completely bail on all this. Yeah. I was in a much different place, and I was like, I'm fucking, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of not enjoying. When I started to not enjoy selling records every day, I was like, 
you know, I could go do something else. I'm quite young. I, I could vaguely remember else. seeing some stuff. I mean, I, sh- I shut the shop. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought post. you had. Yeah, I, I shut- didn't want to bring it up. No, no, I put up a post. I shut the shop because the big project we had planned, the collaborative one, yeah. uh, it was a quite acrimonious uh, split. And it was like, I'd put a lot of money into it already. Mm. We don't have a lot of money. Yeah, you know, we, sure. we roll week to week. So I'd put a lot of money into that already. And I was like, and I'd put so much of my energy into it. And I'd sat on it and I had like, after record started in the months leading up, I was like, not really stocking much because I was like, I need to save money. So we were sitting in the shop and I was like, people were coming in like, oh, are you getting more records? And I was like, just trust me, give me a few months and there's a reason, there's a reason things are changing. And then when that collapsed, I was like, fuck it, I was so sick of it. I was yeah. like, I just need to, I still want to do music stuff. So before I completely lose all energy, I'm going to bail on this. I can make money on the shop. I'll sell the shop. I'll get out. Uh, and then, yeah, the radio thing the plan that I wanted to do maybe two years ago but I wanted to do this like well in the future right. I wanted to be ready for it Yeah. but now it was like I just need to jump in and do it uh, I, but I did shut the shop I totally gave up on it for like a month right. I think I gave up on it and I was like it was up for sale we had people coming to look at it Yeah. we were very close on sales uh, and then my landlord came in and he was like so what are you doing are you selling it or do you want to re-up the lease and I was like I want to re-up the lease wow. <laughs> so I'll <was> just re-up <laughs> Uh, yes, it's just been at the end total. I've, I've felt really bad for our regulars because this summer has been total flux, right. and I get asked every few days, like, "What?" Even my friends, are like, "What are you doing? Like, are you all right? Is this is this going to be fine?" <laughs> That's so funny when people yeah, are asking like, you, "Is that? this going to be fine?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I think I'm back, back running. I need, I need to be running that goal." Yes. So as soon as I got, as soon as the record store became just day to day, I was like, yeah. I was like. And then when, when you have a slow week or when nothing really comes out that you're that interested in, when we're as curated as we are, if we have a Friday that's like nothing I really care about comes yeah. out, I'm kind of like, who cares? Like, why, yeah. why am I even open on Friday? So as soon as that was my mindset, I was like, I need a new yeah. goal to chase for. And this radio thing, I feel like, is the culmination of the curated aspect of it, the community aspect of it, all the connections we've made with bands, all that in one. And I feel like we just need to do it. I say we all the time as well when I literally mean yeah, when you. When you literally mean you, yeah, yeah. Don't worry, I do that with the website as well. Um, so you talked about the Kickstarter and that's the way that you've um, chosen to, to fund this. Yeah. So explain a little bit about that. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's like an all or nothing goal. We've hit the goal now. Yeah. Uh, but it was like, that was the bare, I counted up the bare minimum of what I would need to get, literally a computer that worked and soundproofing the upstairs. Mostly that, and I was yeah. like, "What will that cost?" And then you take off Kickstarter's massive fees, right? And then the fees for like we're going to make T-shirts and prints and stuff as rewards. So that's the goal. So we've hit that, which now means there's an appetite for it. Because if we didn't hit that, I'd have been like, "Fine." But no. people can still. Oh yeah, you can still spend, please you know? still give to yes, it because uh, we're at a point where every extra penny is like means we can start faster, means we can be better as soon as we start. Stuff like that. There's a lot of moving parts that need money. It's interesting because I. I I know a few people that have done Kickstarter events and I think a lot of people who've never been involved and maybe even just give money don't realise that they're making quite a bit of money off... Uh, yeah, oh my God, the Kickstarter fees are insane. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very scary thing when you hit go on it because it just comes up in full cap. It's like, all or nothing, you need to hit this money or you get none of it. And it's like, yeah. oh, fuck. So somebody, you know, a pal, pal's the first person to donate, they're like, right, I gave you a tenner. It's like... It's not come out of my account, wasn't it? I was like, it doesn't come out unless I make four and a half grand. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll retweet that. That's when you see how much people really have faith on you. Yeah. It's like, 500 pounds. It's totally terrifying, but it's like, uh, it shows an appetite, which is what I wanted. So what's, the, it, you're, I think you're eventually going to run 24-7. 
Well, it's, we have the capacity to. Yeah. So it's That's like quite a name. So uh, is um, KEXP your kind of um, template, or how how do you envisage it going? I think KEXP and stuff like that. There's a bunch of radio stations like that, yeah. and I think they're uh, inspirational to us. But I th- don't think there's a template that exists that's quite what I want to do. Right. Uh, good. That's good because yeah. then you end up doing something different. Yeah, I just I, I've always felt I love I love getting sent playlists. Mm-hmm. I love when you can feel a wee bit of personality behind the playlist. Uh, so whether that means there's a DJ, you know, talking to you while they're playing playing you the music they like, or it is genuinely just like an artist sending us a playlist. If there's an effort and a personality behind it, yeah, that gives so much more weight to it. So. Again, it's heightening this curated idea of putting on a radio station. Absolutely. And it doesn't necessarily mean me. It means anyone you're, any song you're listening to on LP radio, the person that put it on like really had a reason why they put it on or really cares about that track yeah. or really wants you to hear that track. We're not going to get sent a new wave of, like, I've never been the darling of the, the press here or anything <laughs> like that, as you can tell by the zero press we've had on the Kickstarter. It's like, we're never going to get sent like a batch of stuff that's like, we have to play this, like an A-list or anything. It's like, because it would defeat the whole purpose. I'm presuming already, I might be wrong with this, you get um, a lot of um, PR stuff emailed to you saying, I've got a new record and I've got yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's probably going to increase. Yeah, which, <laughs> I, which again, I'd st- I'll, I'll, I'll hit play on any link I get sent. Yeah, absolutely. I'm exactly so, the same. I'm looking forward to that. I mean, I'll probably not say that in a few months, but I'm looking mm. forward to that. And that's the main way I want to... It's a whole new way for me to discover new music yeah. and then share it. And if we can jump on it in as early as we've jumped on some of the records we've had in here. I mean, the obvious one, the one I always point to, which people get sick of hearing, is the Julian Baker. Because that's for me, sums up the whole shop. It sums up the success of the shop and where it should be and where it's mm-hmm. going to be. Because... I heard Julian on a Bandcamp link and she put out her record the day the shop opened mm-hmm. and we just saw Bandcamp uh, and I downloaded it I was like this record's amazing put it on the shop everyone who heard it in the shop was like this record's amazing can I buy it and I was like no there's no vinyl like I don't I have no idea so I'd never I was really bad with suppliers anyway so I emailed the one email I found on our website and it was our manager of the record label can't right, remember okay. Uh, and I was like, where did I get these records? And they're like, oh, they're going to be with this small UK supplier in like six months. And I was like, okay, I will endeavour to make this record popular enough in my shop that we can be like the main UK people when that comes out. And she got a wee bit bigger by that time. Right. But when that point hit, you know, I was tweeting about it and we were selling tons in the shop and she came over and played here and I was getting record shops, big record shops down south, tweeting me like, where did I even, where did I buy this? I just, I've, I've been hearing this, where did I buy this? And I was like, why do you not know where to get this? Like, yeah. why is this not yet? And it was like we've we've been a part of, of we've we've sat there on a wee ride of an artist taken off and created a wee Glasgow cult yeah. <laughs> almost yeah. around there. You know, when she played here, broadcast sold out. Uh, met our manager Sean after, and now we're really good friends, and we hang out every time he comes over to the UK. Uh, met him at Primavera the week after, and it's just like it, everything felt like it was like a an amalgamation of everything I wanted my shop to be. Yeah. I was like, I've found the, an artist, I've just kind of even just grabbed onto the coattails and done my part for it in my area. I've done my part for the scene here to get it as big as possible and then met them and they're great. Yeah. You know, and it mattered to them, which is why she came back here and played the install for us and it was fucking rammed and yeah. it sold out in 25 seconds or something like that. And it was just like, this is what it should be all the time. Yeah. And it's tough to get it all the time because... Of course. The stuff we've jumped on would be earlier than anybody else I can think of in the UK or Scotland or whatever. But they're never going to be 
the big big hits all the time mm-hmm. so that our regulars know that and our regulars come in and they can see what's new that week and what we've kind of jumped into and we'll tweet about it non-stop uh, I'm a big fan of just tweeting the old capitals about records I like so that has always been the, the passion and that, that's come through and that's what our regulars kind of like about us so I've never shied away from jumping on the bandwagon for something and going nuts about it and then just disregarding stuff that we're supposed to like yeah there's a lot of stuff particularly because we're Glasgow sure Glasgow small it's like why don't you stop this stop that yeah or why don't you go to this Glasgow I didn't see you at that gig or that festival or why don't you talk about these bands I'm like I just don't like, like I don't like them I don't yeah. like, what do you want me to do yeah. you know I, well, I think it it's, would feel it, insincere it's interesting because there's no doubt and it goes back to what we talked about right at the beginning is um, there was a lot of great stuff in Glasgow um, but you can't well, I don't think you can just talk to each other there has to be something else going on yep. and you've got to like it it's not, you're not yeah, going to totally. like everything just because of a play I did that right. I do an old friend of mine who when we were at school said um, he wouldn't like anything unless it came from Glasgow <laughs> it was a weird weird thing but you know that's what he said um, but yeah you, you want to have a kind of wide um, I don't know the same goes an extension for Scotland yeah. you know? there's a lot of stuff that uh, I get sent on the site that I would never put on because it's just not my thing and if you can't genuinely be enthusiastic about it, then what sense that? There's, there's so much music. There is so much music. So this idea that everything that I, that's from Glasgow we have to champion, it's like so dull to me because it's like there's so much stuff we could be championing in that time mm-hmm. that I'm going to miss out on if I talk about this band I don't really care about just because yeah, they're from Glasgow. Sure. And it creates this environment in Glasgow which is like sometimes just like very, every, everything seems like it's, like it's a competition against each other. Even though we're all in completely, if I hate that music and you hate my music and you want us, and it's like either let's just accept that we don't always like the same stuff mm-hmm. and combine, like get together on the stuff that's going to help everyone. But that's what I was thinking because I know um, Codis played at the um, Kelvin Grove, didn't he? Yeah, the bandstand. At the bandstand. And that was a great day because they had all different types of music. You go to an event like that, you're not going to like it unless, no. you know, you're taste is really why you're yeah. not going to like everything but yeah. that's fine because those are the kind of things that as you say folk could come together and go I'm going to have my band to play your band to play and do yeah. that kind there's of certain thing. things that are good for everyone Yeah, and that's the kind of stuff we need to be behind but we don't need to support supporting and championing stuff that is just like not what you like it creates this horrible nepotistic echo chamber of you can it's good and when good and shite is championed in the same sentence. Yes, you're diminishing the good. Yeah, I and you're giving the shite an unnecessary bump. Yeah, and it creates this. Yeah. People have different ideas of the Glasgow scene. Yeah. Sometimes it's completely different to what I think. You know, if I talk to people that are like, "Oh, yeah, the scene up in Glasgow is so whatever," mm-hmm. and I'm like, "Is it? Like, I don't like I know nothing about dance stuff, but I love the fact that people talk to me and the first thing they say to me is like, optimal and numbers and yeah. the insane subclub scene and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. I think that's amazing." And I love the community aspect of it and how popular it is. I'm not going to pretend I know the first thing it's about the same it. It's the heavy rock scene. I've got a pal who plays in a, a, a thrash metal band and she says, oh, it's amazing in Glasgow. Yeah. All these great nights. And I'm like, great, but you're yeah, not going to see me down there. Yeah, I don't, I'm not, if I talked about it, I would be talking from a place of zero yeah. authority, which diminishes everything that's going on. So I would love to just get people, you know, I'm championing people that know more than me yeah. and are there to help the scene as a whole. I guess that um, begs the question, when you have the radio station, would you necessarily have someone who has a real passion, like we're talking about, but it's for a type of music that maybe you are not into, but yet they would say, like, what I'm doing, um, I went tonight and I'm doing a heavy rock 
just the struggle I'm having. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, I love all kinds of music, generally. Yeah. I love heavy. I do love like a lot of heavy stuff. Yeah. Definitely do. Uh, I am. I'm trying not to genreify the shows too sure. much. Okay. But at the same time, you know, there are things you can put in boxes, and you can say yeah. like, there's country shows on BBC that are great. They're all country and that kind of thing. But I, I would. I would hate to have stuff on the station that I think is shit. Yeah. I would hate it. Yeah. So, like, there's a lot of heavy stuff I love and I can totally get into and I can see the value even if I don't like it, but, like, reggae and fucking stuff like that, that's never going to be on it. It's just not because I hate it, you know? That's interesting, though, because, you know, you've said, well, I'm going to do this and it's going to be me, but, you know, you can't be broadcasting to No, yeah, no. <laughs> and I've, where's Lorenzo? He's up there and he's like, ah, he's bag. And I've said it's diverse and I've said it's... But, but some... I do have my red lines and I don't think they're my red lines I feel like are pretty objectively normal red like I don't think reggae is that popular you know <laughs> but there'll be huge people that I know yeah it's a great you listen to but that's that. the, I feel like the people that are, are would be like you know put off because we red line like certain music yeah are people that would never listen to the station anyway yeah because yeah. our station's gonna be fairly eclectic and yeah. if you're like well if they don't have that one type of music I'm not listening Mm-hmm. Then you probably want to listen to a station that just has that kind of music. Sure. You know? Yeah. So I don't think, I think we're gonna... increasingly that's probably the case. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a lot of. Like, when I was doing my research on community stations or smaller stations or whatever, 99% of them are, are very particular. It's like, you know, very themed and particular stations that play the same kind of music 24 7 because that's what you're tuning into, you know? Uh, which is what I don't want ours to be. So we're going to, I think, as usual, we're going to probably annoy some people, but they're not people that would ever have cared. Yeah. You know, I don't think we're nothing. We everything we do is from a good place, so we're never going to piss off people that I've missed out on. Sure, you know, I feel like it's just going to be people that would never have cared anyway. I think it's really interesting. I think that what you've done with the shop and what you're going to do and what you've done with the label uh, kind of epitomizes to me how things have changed in the last ten years. Because when um, people stopped buying physical things, you know, and I was getting sent loads of like full albums for free. Yeah. Um listen to my record, it was on Bandcamp it was whatever of files. And one I would say, don't send me everything you've got, for goodness sake, you know, there has to be some and um it was difficult that people weren't making vinyl or they, and they kind of stopped making CDs that you maybe had some um a physical stuff. But people want to own the physical item, and yeah. I think that is behind a lot of what vinyl's um, resurgence has been. And um, to give people a space where they can come in, they're not overwhelmed. Yep. And you're you're able to uh, say, well, we've got you know, tune in to this if you like this record, tune in because that's the person up there that's going to be involved with it. And um, we've got a live event coming soon, and uh, you know, it, it is. I think it's really important as well that. There's a hub, or many many hubs across the city and elsewhere for that kind of thing. And I think I think a lot of the smaller venues are waking up to that. As yeah, well, people the better venues. People want to feel uh, attached to their music, or they want to feel part of something. People definitely want to Def- feel part. Of even something. when they don't have, like as you said, vinyl's super expensive. Most of my biggest fans, if I judge it by like Twitter or Facebook, or the promoters a lot and want to be part of it or come in the shop during the events or come to the gigs but don't buy vinyl every week because they don't have £25 every week yeah. £20 every week yeah. there needs to be a way for them to feel part of this yeah. because they've they've been part of it and for me even just like just tuning into the radio station 
would be a big deal. Absolutely. So, uh, and you'd feel it's yours. Yeah. Because that's it's going back to that when we first everyone got first into music bands that you felt were your band or you and your pal's band or you know that kind of thing that on ownership and, and um, being a part of it. And if you give people that, then it's a really quite a powerful thing to do. Yeah, you can feel quite isolated right now. I think if you're uh, like very into music and you go to a lot of gigs, you're already spending money on gigs. Yeah. A lot of money. And then you're like, you know, you can't always come in and buy the record. You can't always come in and buy the record to support the band. Mm-hmm. Even at the merch table, you can't always afford that yeah. record. Yeah. So people want to feel attached to the bands they like or to the scene they like. Or to the, and there needs to be ways to do that without spending tons of money. Yeah, totally. And this is the plan, I guess, to get those people involved. Um, talking of records, I'd like to end off by talking about some of your favourite music of 2018, if that's okay. I mean, I had, I had this huge, huge spreadsheet and it had about 248 oh, records on it. Oh, time for that. Oh, man. <laughs> but uh, it died on my wee old laptop and I cannot recover it. Uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of some because I I tried not to do number too much this yeah. year. I kind of broke it down into these categories of like amazing, really really good, and like start to split them off down the hundreds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I had like a vague top ten, but I just the, my main takeaway from this year is how much I love the Arctic Monkeys record. Ah, yeah. And that is a band I have been vehemently against for like ten years. Just like as a, I loved the first two records because I was like fourteen, fifteen when sure. they came out. Uh, and that was the kind of music like when you were 14, 15 and that was the big music at the time uh-huh. and then when I got older and snobbier 16, 17, 18 and they were putting out what I feel like kind of some like Queens of Stone Age half-arsed records or yeah. kind of trying to that too cool vibe Alex Turner had that I didn't like I would just go super the other way and I'd be like this music's terrible but then the new record I was like I just want to try it out because I, I want to like I want to be part of the conversation Yeah. so I try this record out I pressed play on it and I was like this is so weird like this record sounds so weird his fans will not like this well, and they didn't a lot of them yeah. didn't and that's what kept me listening I was like this is just weird and then my second listen I was like this is great this is so good and I've always been obsessed with his lyrics in the first couple of records and that submarine uh, album we did for that yeah. film and all yeah, yeah, that's he's always been a weird uh, very thoughtful guy mm-hmm. and that's the way I like to think of Alex Turner yeah uh, so when that record came out I was just totally obsessed with it and I just I would dig into all the lyrics and I, it's one of the first records in a while I get so obsessed with so it's scarily sitting near the top of it's weird to say I'm going to call an Artie Monkey's record my favourite album of the year but it's, it's so up there uh, I'm trying to think what else because I don't want to be pegged as an Artie Monkey's fan <laughs> a couple of others then before we round up Damien Gerardo oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. he's one of my favourites ever yeah. I'm obsessed Fantastic. with Damien Gerardo finally saw him live this year as well uh, in the CCA and he was amazing and he didn't talk to the audience the whole way through which I loved and then at the very end of it he just walks off stage and the couple in front of me go is that it? he's not even going to fucking speak to us and I was like I don't know but he was amazing and that album's so beautiful uh, and I loved that he put out the record he put the vinyl out in May but the digital came out in late June or early July right. so he was like if you want to support me and buy the record I'll, I'll give you two months early you know yeah. and I loved that and just it felt so his music's always been very confessional and yes, very dark, but usually there's kind of a, particularly the Maricopa trilogy and stuff like that, there's a, there's a real storytelling thing behind it that's kind of fictional or spacey or whatever. Whereas the new one just feels very grounded and very intense and like he's really just letting you in on his, on his world. And there's a song, uh, I think it's called Great Washington State, or so the one that says Washington State in the title, and it's so, so dark and so powerful and it just it hits all my buttons and it's like five minutes of just complete bliss and his, <laughs> his voice is amazing 
Uh, so that record, that's probably my most played of the year because I think I played that song about twenty thousand times. Uh, so yeah, I can't really think of too much else off the top of my head, which is weird because I did write a list of two hundred and forty-eight records yesterday. But it's that way where you're it like, it sounds like your memory's quite similar to mine. Unless I've got it right in front of me, then uh, oh, man, people say, "What was your favourite?" I go, "Oh, that thing." You I, know, I run a record thing. shop, and when I meet people, they're like, "All oh, right, so what you listen to?" I'm like, "I don't, I don't know everything." Like, <laughs> oh, Wild Pink, Wild Pink, oh, right? Yeah. Wild Pink are on uh, Tiny Engines. Tiny Engines is maybe my favourite label in the world. They're, I think they're based out of North Carolina. I don't know if that's where it started. Uh, but they are, everything they put out is top drawer and it's fairly DIY seeming, even though they're quite successful. Uh, and Wild Pink are this Americana indie band. They blur the lines so much, which is what I liked about Wesley when I first heard Wesley. Yeah, yeah. And they really just blur the lines so much, and the guy's voice is so unique and soft and uh, beautiful, and a slide guitar in every fucking song, mixed with like indie drums. So again, it just hits all my buttons, and it's, it blew me away earlier this year. I loved their first album, but it was a wee bit more straightforward mm-hmm. indie rock, Yeah, I felt like, compared to this one anyway. This is a lot more kind of ethereal and soaring at times, like I think there's a lot of kind of wee instrumental breaks this fade into the next song and it's a very intentional album do not shuffle it don't yeah. skip it and it's just a very intentional album everything fades into the next uh, and it's just like a total wee blissful journey if I was to say that one of the best things about vinyl coming back is exactly that is that people have started making albums again yeah. you know and they are properly thought through from the beginning to end and when you turn it over um, and you're not shuffling and you're not just skipping or whatever like that. well when you listen to that a vinyl record and you can when the album hasn't been thought out too much and it doesn't feel properly sequenced and there hasn't been thought paid to the B-side and yeah. what's the last song on track on side A I think it really is jarring now yeah. it very much sticks out if there's a, the last song on side A is just the last song because it's halfway in the record it's kind of like and it doesn't fit it doesn't feel like a break or it doesn't feel like a transition it really jars me sometimes now so I think we should finish up by saying, do you have a date for when LP radio hits the airwaves? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, January's the plan. Right. Uh, kind of late January. But again, it, just, it has to be perfect, but it has to be soon because I need to jump in. And do it. Uh, and I, it's, things are going smoothly enough right now. I think January's probably fine. Yeah. I think it's going to be good. It might not be complete full pelt in January. Uh But uh, that's the it'll goal. Be there. That, it'll be there. It'll be on the airwaves. You'll get something every day at least. You'll get Lorenzo every day. You'll get me every day. <laughs> Somebody's got to be doing it. You'll get me every day. Uh, and we'll tell you all about it when it does come out. But Lorenzo, thanks for talking to us today. No and uh, we'll be back soon with uh, somebody completely different. Cheers. Mm-hmm.